What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Bonsai Chat. I am your host, Ryan Trainer, and I'm with my co-host, DJ Grand. What's going on, DJ? Not a whole lot. Good to talk to you again, Ryan. Yeah, I know. It's like we were talking for like 20 minutes before this, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll yeah. Prep. I know. <laughs> it does help, you know. It, I think that's funny with podcasting where it's getting that whole just like jumping in point always feels weird. So it's always good to kind of just start a conversation before, but people that listen yeah. don't need to know that. Right. That's right. It's a behind <laughs> the scenes talk. Yeah. So bonsai chat is a Patreon supported podcast. You can check us out over there, uh, help support the podcast and find us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and um, any podcast app. So just look up bonsai chat and that's where we are. So today on the show, we are going to be kind of doing a movie-centric podcast, which these two movies are ones I've been wanting to talk about in a podcast form for a long time. One I'm a big fan of. I mean, I, I like them both. They're both really good movies, but we'll be talking about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Knives Out. So yeah, that'll be a good, those are good two big chunk movies that I think we're going to dive into a lot. Yeah, good recent movies too last year yeah. yeah yeah both came out in 2019 that's for sure so let's start with our main topic questions so dj why don't you start with yours well, i was just wondering what's your favorite and least favorite form of uh, music genre the big question the big question now i said this before when we were talking about this but i DJ Rush is not a genre of music. <laughs> you want to you want to bet? Rush actually forged their own genre. It's called pro- progressive metal. Ah. So rock while you speak. So they, in fact, they truly are. Well, I I get all right. You have a point there. So, but uh, this is like a weird one because I've gone through a lot of phases of music in my life. Um, I like a lot of heavy metal and just. You know, rock and roll, I guess, would be maybe my kind of music, but I don't know. It's I hate saying that I like everything, but there's just so much out there that even with bands that I like one song of, it's like doesn't mean I like that genre. You know, if it's like rap or more of like a pop kind of song, it's just yeah. You know, sometimes it's just if it sounds good, it sounds good, and I think with uh, a genre of music, I can't really like. I don't know how to explain it, but I like a lot of video game music and uh, anime music as well. So I don't know how to categorize that. <laughs> I think you just did video game music, soundtrack, video game yeah. soundtrack music. I mean, that's yeah, what like, it is. I like a lot of instrumental stuff too. So um, I guess this is going with, you know, some rush things as well is it's really cool hearing just bands doing, you know, I, I don't need, lyrics i like lyrics and songs but it's really cool when bands can do you know if it's just guitar drums and bass or if it's you know with a whole orchestra it's really cool to hear you know some good music from that well it's very hard to keep an attention of let alone a whole audience or one person with just music and you have to be very very good very talented to be able to pull something like that off i'm not just saying that because rush can do it i'm saying it's, it's just a fact that without some people have to have the lyrics, have to have the stuff, the words of the song in order to make it interesting to them. And and you can really pull it off. And a lot of bands can do it, not just Rush. If you can pull off an instrumental, then you get you have to have good a good musicianship at the very least. Yeah, and it's always weird too because it's like you know Y Y Z. You know they're always longer bits too. So. Um, like they're short instrumentals, but usually when you hear an instrumental song, they're probably more than five minutes long, you know, and for a lot of bands, they're, you know, 10, you know, very long for just one segment. So no, for the rushes, Z is actually one of the shorter ones because the, the Villa Strangiato is at least eight minutes long. So, I mean, so Rush has a few longer instrumentals. So yeah, I get it. I mean, progressive, a lot of progressive rock music have longer instrumentals it's just i guess it's part of the the genre yeah uh how about you so you'd obviously probably go towards the progressive rock 
Oh yeah, my favorite is without a doubt progressive rock. I like the uh, time change signatures, the time signature changes. I like uh, the, the the complexity to it, and to do the converse of that, I can't. There are some that I really don't like listening to, like country music, the old country music. Because my mom would pound that crap into my head. Um, but at least I can I can put up with that. The ones I can't put up with is punk, because punk is the exact opposite of progressive rock it's just three chords simplicity i mean it's i am one that goes towards the more complex the the intricate integrated uh um both lyrics if you have lyrics and music where it's all one thing all of it's complex a lot of punk is just simple bs so (laughs) what (laughs) what no no i just think uh if i i like punk music like i'm not a huge fan at one point i was a real big fan of it but i think maybe if i was a lot younger i'd be like what the hell man you can't hate like like a punk would say but uh you know there's a go ahead and say that because i really it's it's still a simple (laughs) mind but what is punk it's it's two three chords and they don't change two or three chords just over and over and over again i mean look there are some punk bands that i appreciate but i those punk bands i don't seem as straight in the punk genre for example green day they're, they consider themselves punk yeah but they actually know how to play and i can appreciate that they're not the punk i'm talking about or police they call themselves punk yeah but once again they're not the punk i'm talking about the clash they're what i'm talking about yeah, Sex Pistols, you know, yes. Rush. Yeah, I mean, not Rush, uh, Ramones, sorry. Ouch, ouch. ouch. <laughs> um, yeah, precisely, it's those that I'm talking about. They're just, it's, it's, to me, it appeals to the lowest common denominator, where progressive rock and Rush appeal to the highest common denominator. And that's why I, I, I it's the opposites of me and why I like one and don't like the other. What, what do you think? I mean, I don't think music has to be complicated to be good. Oh, I, I agree with you. There are some very simple things. Rap is not necessarily complicated, but it can be good if it's intelligent. So mm-hmm. it, it's, I, I totally agree with that. You're absolutely, same thing with country music. There are some country songs that are just absolutely just simplistic, but there are some songs that are, are not as simplistic, but harder to play. It, it, and the, some, some of the simplistic ones can be good. They can be. They, they have an appeal to it. Like, for example, um, Kenny, Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton's Islands in the Stream. I mean, that is a simplistic song, but it has a pop appeal to it. You know, yeah. I, that's one of the few songs I actually like in the country genre. So, I mean, you're absolutely right. It doesn't take complexity to make it good. I would probably I, I, I would I would go with you on the country thing too. Like I do have some that I don't mind and I like, and you know, like Johnny Cash and stuff like that. But it's I'm yeah, he's more rock country. But yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's country music. I guess if I had to pick any genre, it would be one. If I never heard it again, I wouldn't be sad. (laughs) I'm with you. I understand that. I do. I totally understand that. Especially my mom would pound Conway Twitty and. Uh, just Dolly Parton, Tammy Wynette, all that into my head as, as a youngster. And it killed country music for me. Yeah. It's all, I, I left my wife, I beat my dog. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's basically what it is. Yeah, well, it's, so, uh, some comedian said it, but it's like, uh, if you rewind a country song, it's like the most like happy song ever, you know, because <laughs> it's everything being fixed <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, you're right. I found my dog. I got my wife back. My car's fixed. You know. Yes. Yeah. Country, for the most part, country song is malevolent. And then we've gone over this before. I'm really more of the benevolent type. So that's why it, that one doesn't appeal to me as much either. Yeah. But I'm with you on that one. I am. I agree. And I so think that's. What do you like? Well, you already said that the video game uh, soundtracks. Yeah. Well, and it's. I, I'm trying to just keep it as like music because. Um, I mean, I like a lot of orchestra stuff and um, I, I don't know. It's it's like so hard to really like put it into because it's like I like guitar a lot as well. And, you know, drums and all that stuff, too. But uh, when you say weird. orchestra, do you mean classical like Wagner and Beethoven or do you mean yeah. more modern stuff? But I, oh, I mean, I-, I guess my real answer would be rock and metal. I mean, that's pro- I'm, I'm thinking this too hard, but um, 
you know, like, I like a lot of just metal type music and, uh, you know, if it's not extreme or anything like that, you know, I obviously like a lot of like rock and classic rock and stuff like that. Yeah. I like those too. I, I for the most part, when you throw the rolling stones out, I'm, I'm with you there. Uh, oh, I love the stones. Uh, they're great. Oh, no, no, they're not. No, they're not. <laughs> oh, no, they're not. Oh, but anyways, I mean, the Rolling Stones, and we're going to keep it in rock now and not go punk. The Rolling Stones are the antithesis of Rush. They are like not the, very good. The opposite, you would say? Yes, yes. Look, let me, let's, let's just two, two um, musicians in each band. Neil Peart and Charlie Watts. Neil Peart is an artist at playing the drums. Charlie Watt is the most simplistic drummer that's ever existed. You, I mean, there's a reason why he can still play at almost 80 years old because it's nothing to play those songs. Uh, and Neil, ha- Neil had to retire in his 60s because his songs were too hard to play. I mean, there, there's a reason for that. It's because his songs are, or Charlie Watts' songs are so simple. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, if you're playing your instrument at a higher level, I mean, you're going to get burnt out by that in some way, you know, it's, it's, it's a strain in itself, especially drums, you know? Yeah. And it's a simple beat that most of the, uh, of the Rolling Stones songs are very simplistic beats. I mean, I could say the same about Ringo Starr, but every once in a while I would catch Ringo at least playing a complicated beat. Yeah. I, I can't say that about Charlie Watts. Charlie Watts is the probably the most simplistic drummer that's ever sat behind a drum set. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, teachers, you know, teachers own stuff like that. But I, I would say, you know, Rolling Stones are definitely a classic band, and uh, I just like a lot well, of their stuff. Let's be honest. In the '60s, they did do some some good work, but I really don't too much good has come out of them since the late 60s oh yeah i probably anything i listen to them is you know definitely their old stuff i'm not saying i you know listen to their that's before the drugs set in yeah okay so so look i i won't i can't totally lash at that part of their career but i just don't see anything of, of value or appeal after 1969 from them it's just i just don't see it i mean she's so i'm so hot for her i'm so hot for her and she's so cold it's the worst damn lyrics i've ever heard <laughs> man you just can't get any satisfaction can you <laughs> <laughs> nice pun <laughs> <laughs> well yeah music is one of those things too where it it it's i mean it's it's such like a thing where you know so like it, talking about country too if you go to like a big country group or people that like country and you say you don't like it it's like so offensive you know they get so butthurt about it oh yeah it's like a religion in nashville in tennessee i told you you'd be run out of town if you said that down there that's funny you brought that up have you ever been there before nashville i've driven through it yeah but that's about all i can say i I was i couldn't get out of it fast enough yeah, I was there once and I mean, I like a good party like any other person, but it's uh it was a lot of fun for even how much that was. It's it's a lot of music stuff and there I mean, it's primarily from what I saw was a lot of country, but it was weird cuz I always think back on that when I think of like kind of concerts and just like places I've been and you know, you it's not like you would I would go to a place like a country concert and stuff like on my own accord but uh i had a good time when i was there maybe it's because of the live aspect it was a lot of fun and they were all like kind of unknown bands and stuff like that it wasn't like a chenny kesney or whatever you know like some big name or something like that but uh it's funny well i i'm a history buff and if you want to talk about i would be interested in gold like the grand old opry um because that has some history to it Okay, yeah. and that's in Nashville. So that would appeal to me. Or going to see uh, now, it's not like I guess it is country too. Elvis, in which we in Memphis seeing Graceland, you know, or yeah, that to me would have an appeal to it because of the history of it. But the music, it's just it would turn me off. I, well, I couldn't be there very long without getting a headache. Yeah, I mean, I was there for a night, so it wasn't like I stayed a week. But that's probably why I liked it because I was only there for a short period of time. Look, I'm sure the people are honest because at least honest about what they like. So I'm trying not to insult them. It's just, I just don't, that music doesn't appeal to me. 
Well, I'm glad our uh, audience base is not country fans because we would be down to zero. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry to offend, but I'm just trying to be honest. <laughs> so are you a big uh, like hater against like techno stuff? Uh, I don't really not like it. Don't really like it. It's it's sort of like. It's it's sort of like when we were talking about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and E Man. It's it's after me. It, it really wasn't a big thing when I was growing up, so it really it left no true impression on me. So it, I don't hate it, and I don't really like it either. So do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It's, so I, I I don't have anything anything good or bad to say about it. I've heard it, but it just it's just it's, okay. It's there, you know. To me, that's more like dance music. Yeah. Well, that's like, I, I guess I was just bringing it up because with like video game stuff too, I like a lot of video game music that, you know, is this 8-bit kind of, that's like what they call like chip tune and like, you know, that stuff that you would hear from like a Super Nintendo game or, uh, you know, it's its own kind of thing because it's obviously all digital. But, um, you know, some of the, some of those songs, you know, even like if you think of like the Mario Brothers theme song, it's, that's not yeah. one of my favorites, but it's a, you know, iconic song that everyone knows that will get into your head. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And, uh, sure. there's just it's like not- a weird tune to that style of music. And, you know, people still do it now since you can just make it off your computer now, but, um, it just sounds really cool. And I always like that. Yeah. It, it's not like disco, which sucked. I mean, I grew up in the <laughs> disco era. Yeah. Stuff sucked. It's a little different. So, oh, absolutely. It's my point is disco. I would want to hurry up and, throw the cd away or in my case it would be album and crash it up against the wall just to stop it i wouldn't do that with the techno stuff but that's my point it's not as bad as disco good that's good that's good cool <laughs> yeah yeah music's a weird thing yeah it's like all forms of art it depends on your your sense of value that will determine what you like and don't like and one of the last things i talk about with this too and i think music you know, with movies, that's like such a big part of it. And, um, I mean, I'll talk more about it when we get into once upon a time in Hollywood, but that's one of the reasons why I like a lot of Quentin Tarantino stuff because he matches his movies more or less with a awesome soundtrack. And I love when movies do that, you know, that it goes with like what we talked about with Scott Pilgrim and, um, uh, just sure. it, it, it almost feels like a video game because that's why I like video games a lot too because they have usually a good soundtrack if it's with a story and stuff like that. Well, some music, not even song music, but some music makes the uh, the, the 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 movie better. I mean, mm-hmm. you get a, a a tense scene and there's tense music behind it that just adds to the ambiance of it. So, I mean, that's not even really songs, but still, music, I think, is an integral part of, of movies. For sure. Without I, it, I think it, you would be missing a whole lot. Oh, yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Well, that's a good question, DJ. Good one you brought up. So, we'll jump into mine, and uh, what I had to the table is, I just had this in <laughs> kind of just going through the stuff that uh, I was playing this week and watching, but what fictional media, like what's one of your biggest pet peeves of uh, fictional media? So the way I'm asking this is just, I know they're probably like, they have to be in the story or the, whatever you're watching or reading or whatever, because you know, it would, it would break the whole like a story of uh, whatever you're doing, but you're just, they're, they're just so dumb and they always get brought up in whatever it is that you're into. Um, does that make sense? I, I don't know if I'm no, wording. No, it makes total sense. It makes total sense. What um, is for me, for yeah. me, it's more if it, anything takes me out of the story and that doesn't matter if I'm reading, uh, reading a novel or, or watching a movie. If I'm sitting there thinking, well, that's bad acting. It's taking me out of the story. Yeah. If, if I, if I'm, reading a novel and i'm thinking well that's bad writing that the the, the, the it just didn't flow right or something it takes me out of the story mm-hmm. anything that removes me from the story there's that's what i don't like I, if i'm going to watch something and i'm going to invest my time in it i want to suspend my disbelief and be in it and if it takes me out of it then it, it ruins it for me 
that's that's a good one and um yeah it's it's like if you even took some of your favorite things like i always think about that when you see like a good movie or show or something like that and i'm like it's such a simple topic and if i did that it would be god awful you know because it's and then you see somebody that can film it right or write it well or just like produce it in such a unique way it's um you know i, I mean i guess with our topic that we'll be talking about you know i i like quentin tarantino in that way too because his his stories are so weird and so interesting that it's like who the hell thought of that stuff and it's uh you know he kind of sucks you into his worlds and stuff like that only on a level of mind, but yeah, he does. Look, he has a talent. There's no doubt about it. He yeah. does something that I don't think I could do. I mean, the same we're talking about with the uh, director writer of Knives Out that we're going to talk about. Yeah, I, 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 he has a talent. I mean, there is a complicated process involved in making a movie. I mean, there's so much that you have to think about. I mean, from lighting to camera to the camera angles to the the kind of camera using, and then you get into the acting and the storytelling. There's just so much that can go wrong. And anyone who can put it together, I mean, whether I, I like their sto- kind of story or not, it, it, it takes a talent to do that. So True. for that, I, I got to tip my hat to, to both the directors we're going to be talking about today. I, mean, I may not like Quentin Tarantino as much as you do, but he knows how to uh, make a movie. Yeah. No, Knives Out's a good point as well, because like with Quentin Tarantino stuff, we'll talk about are a little more crazy and over the top. I mean, Knives Out is pretty wild in its sense but on paper that movie doesn't sound like something i would want to watch but when i i really enjoyed knives out because of all that stuff you said too it's just you know the way that the murder mystery crime thing is going out is just so interesting and just hadn't been done before i don't think well i think it was done in parts because there was a little bit of ag of the uh, Christie in there. There's a little bit of murder she wrote. There was Sherlock Holmes in there. He yeah. put it all oh, together yeah. in his yeah. own in his own way. Yes. I mean, in that way, yes, it wasn't done before. But I could see elements of all that in there. And I think that's what made all those are good. All okay. those mystery writers are good. So Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a good one. Mine's kind of more of a dumb answer, but I guess I'll just throw it out there. But I uh was playing I was still playing The Last of Us, which I like talked about last time on the show. And um it's <laughs> it's happens a lot in video games of the things I'm talking about, but it's I guess it's pretty much the same thing you're saying. It's what takes you out of a story. And these are just little things that are in pretty much any video game, but it's during this whole thing and The Last of Us, there you know, it's this whole apocalyptic you know, Armageddon thing that's happening, you know, with zombie type things and all this stuff. And there's all these puzzles you have to do throughout the game where you kind of get, you have to swim across and your main character seems like the only person that knows how to swim in this world. And no, <laughs> and you always like, people are like, I can't get in the water because, uh, you know, I, I'll just drown. And it's not like they're getting into like a stream or like a raging river. It's like, dude, this is six feet. And, if there's things behind you that are going to kill you, you're going to learn how to swim very fast, you know? And it's this stupid stuff like that. And, um, little things like, uh, in resident, I, I just picked up resident evil three. And this is like a funny thing in a lot of games where, you know, you have a shotgun, a, a grenade launcher, a handgun, a knife, a sword or whatever it is. And you can't get through a door without a key. It's just <laughs> the dumbest thing in the entire world. But, I get it because if you were just blowing through doors, you know, there'd be no point of the game. Right. But it, it just still blows my mind in a lot of those things. Well, they could at least put a little logic behind it and make it super reinforced or that a, uh, uh, it would be able to be blown up. They could at least do something like that. Yeah. To make it more realistic. I, I, I totally agree with you. It just, I totally it just one of those things that even to this day, it just, you know, makes me laugh every time. It's like, really, you know, <laughs> you're like holding all this arsenal of stuff and, or you're, you know, this superhuman person. It's like a door is going to get in your way. <laughs> I agree. Remember that I told you I used to play that game. Um, Sid Meier's uh, civil civilization revolution. Yeah. Yeah. There are times in that game where I would have an army of tanks going up against um, an army of pikemen. 
And you would think, yes, you would yeah. think that the, the tanks would wipe them out. But every once in a while, you see a pikeman run up and kick the tank, literally kick it with his foot and blow it up. Yeah. And this is, it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So I totally understand what you're saying. And I agree with you. It, 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 it takes you out of the story, out of the game. Yeah. I know you have to just kind of block it out and just be like, this is just how it is. Yeah. <laughs> it's a flaw of the development, I guess. Yeah. I thought that was a funny question to bring up because there's a lot of funny answers to that. So that was a so, good question. Yeah, that was a good start to the show here. So we'll be obviously wrapping up the show with our bonsai drop. So why don't we jump into our breakdown? Okay, like I think I mentioned it before, but we'll be talking about Knives Out and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So why don't we start with Knives Out? So what made you want to watch this movie? Like, how'd you like find out about it? I saw the trailers for it when it was, you know, just in the theaters. Uh, Nothing really not too much motivates me to go to the theaters to watch something. It has to be a really good movie. Otherwise I'll just wait for it to come on TV. And this was one that I thought maybe it would be okay to go watch. Now I I do like a good mystery. I mean, Atlas Shrugged is a mystery in its core. So I do like a good mystery. And and this was a good mystery. with except one flaw in this movie. I thought it was a very, very good movie. And I thought it was well-directed. I thought the scenes were, were, were good. And the story, for the most part, made sense. Mm-hmm. I just didn't like the what I saw was the overt racism because it was a white family that was bad. And I uh, guarantee you, if you switched that around and made it a black family or even a, a rich Latino family and, and make the white person the one who was the, the shy, innocent one who happened to make a mistake and things happen to they would call that racism you can't do that but you can do it all right to a, a white family so with the exception of that one little flaw i saw i i really liked the story i liked it i think you did a good job yeah and it's one of those movies too where i like that it took a genre i'm not fully really into and you know made it enjoyable to watch and stuff like that you know it's this kind of clue based movie murder mystery yeah, you know crime yeah. drama and um it's not it's serious but it, it has like obviously a very um well, there's some good jokes in that movie i laughed yeah. a couple times yeah, it was it's a lot of fun fun as well yeah yeah and i totally I, agree daniel craig did a really good job i like uh he's a really good actor and especially like a lot of people only know is know of him as james bond but i almost think with a lot of his other weird movies that he does where he's like, you know, like a Southern to, you know, detective and stuff like that. It's, uh, it's funny to see him in those roles. And I always think he does a good job. Well, that link that you sent me to watch from the YouTube. Yeah. Um, about that. It mentioned, um, this, that Southern draw that you're talking about. And when I was watching, I'm like, you know, it does sound familiar. I love history. I've said this many times and I've watched many, many PBS things on and read about the civil war. Well, there's this one guy who was, a, who was a, who wrote a book on the civil war. His name was Shelby foot. And when I saw that on, I'm like, yes, that's what he sounds like. And he did. He sounded just like him and he, <laughs> and he pulled it off. Well, I mean, so I, you're right. He, he was a very good actor in that point. I mean, it, it was it was i thought i thought he's he's a, he's a very talented actor I mean, yeah and although, when you, you and you yeah. like you know hear him and like like i said james bond or you know in other things i mean that's definitely not what he sounds like you know it's uh it, it's he's yeah he's from england or you know over in europe or whatever but it's i always like when people can do that kind of stuff you know when you hear him in one movie and then you'll see him in an interview and it's like what the hell? <laughs> like, oh, he's, real, he's really acting. I totally yeah. agree with you. There are some people um, who are sort of like Ashton Kushner. He always, to me, every movie I see him in, 
he plays like he played the guy on the, that 70s show. Yeah. And, yeah. There's, there's a lot of people like that, that just are a stereotypical character throughout their whole yeah, career. There's no acting, no acting whatsoever. The dude who uh, I can't think of his name played Chandler on the uh, friends. He's the same way. Played okay. the same character, no matter what, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Matthew Perry. Yes. Yes. Matthew Perry. Yeah. He, so it's kind of like it, it, that's to me, it's not acting. What yeah. Daniel Craig was doing was acting. Yeah. And I mean, with the cast of that movie too, there's so many good actors in it. And, um, you know, it's just, I I think everyone did a really good job in it as well. You know, it's, it's a funny type of movie where not everybody, like everybody's involved in it, but it's, you know, it's just funny. Like when they point out what everybody's doing and it's this whole thing, of you know, these, this family trying to, you know, get this, um, you know, their dad's, you know, will basically and stuff like that. No, I think it was also a, uh, like it was up for parasite. It was class structure. Yeah. Because you had the, the rich family and then the, the immigrants or she was at least fam- in a family of immigrants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So th- it was poor versus rich, basically. Basically. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, we're obviously going to be spoiling a lot of these both movies, but did you, well, they've got plenty of time to see it, (laughs) but did you like kind of figure it out? Like what was your first, uh, kind of thought of who the, who done it aspect of it? Well, I did figure it out, but it was towards late when, um, Captain America, Chris Evans was, uh, leaving that one time and i said he switched it he did it yeah and then obviously right after that almost they revealed that he did switch it um so i did kind of, i did figure it out but i can't say i figured it out immediately right away I, but there were a lot of hints when like the dog's attacking him that was a huge hint yeah because I mean, the, the guy even said a dog's a good character can be a good, good judge of character i mean so there was a hint on what because the dog he, for pretty much the dogs were, went after him Mm-hmm. Um, that was also a movie about justice because whether or not it's just for a, a rich family to have all the, the, the everything you know the the privilege also is it just for a, a person who actually made a mistake go up for a murder because she, even though she ended up it turned out that she gave the right medicine she was thinking and for the most part all the movie were thinking she gave the wrong medicine yeah so would it, that have been just for her to go to jail for a mistake. And it wasn't something she intended to do. I mean, so to me, that was, there's also a lot of justice involved in that movie. Oh yeah. I mean, that was the whole point of bringing justice to this whole murder. You know, that's Daniel Craig and the other detectives, you know, whole job. Oh, but that's one with the actual murder. You're right. I mean, the mm-hmm. Chris Evans, Captain America, justice bring to him, but it's also another issue of whether, would it have been just, for her to go down for a mistake. Yeah. Just like a, a, a secondary avenue, I think. And that's what I liked about it. It was more complex than just the every, just, oh, yeah, it's, it's, this is it, this wasn't just throw him away. Yeah. So that's why the complexity of it is what made it more appealing to me. And I like that movie. I, I, I think it's funny, too, that, I mean, I didn't get, like, I, I didn't know the answer, like, right off the bat or anything like that. I was pretty surprised in the end and all that. But um, it's, like, Chris Evans' character's name, Ransom. It's, like, the most, like, you know, like, if anybody ha- had to be the bad guy, of course, the guy that's named, you know, Ransom would probably be the bad guy, right? Well, they couldn't they could name him Murderer. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But Ransom is the next step over, so. Yeah. And, uh. Yes. That that video that I'll be talking about and like the bonsai drop, it's I think that's like a really good video to watch, you know, especially once you've seen the movie, because with the whole making of it, there's so much detail and little things and just behind the scenes stuff that I was like, holy hell, like they're just they put in so many little things that you it's a movie worth seeing more than once. That's like kind of the whole point of it, I would think. Well, I also watched the movie, uh, I mean, a uh, YouTube thing, which was in my algorithm after I watched the one you're going to talk about, was that was the director himself talking about certain things. And he was talking about camera angles and how the depth, how he would like to have a triangular, like he would have a, a center focus and then there would be two people behind it. And he also talked about how that painting, 
that painting was almost like a character in itself, the painting of the old man. Yeah. He talked about how that was always, he always made sure that there was more than just one person in the frame. And that, that goes on to the point I make when I first thought about that there's so many complicated things involved. I mean, I guess the God is in the details. And if you're good, you're, you're going to include that. You're going to at least, at least be cognizant of that. And you're, you're going to take that into consideration. Because in any movie or in any novel, you start out with a blank page. You put anything there. You can yeah. make just one character or you can make it more complex with all, with all the stuff you're talking about. So I, I really think that that director did a very good job with this movie by mm-hmm. adding all that stuff. Yeah, like the two, well, there's a, like in that whole video and stuff, there's so many little things that he brings up. I thought they were just like kind of like, that's just crazy to even just think of that, you know, making a movie like this. And like one was with the whole, um, uh, like the camera crew had to make like the window frame thing, like for the camera so that it would be so that like, they didn't get the reflection of like any of the cameras on like the people's glasses and stuff like that. Like I was, I, I thought that was pretty funny and, uh, like a cool little fact. Well, the director also brought up this other video I was talking about. He brought up the fact that that movie was filmed in digital, and he usually films in just regular with regular film. And the digital takes things away that they had to add back into. He was talking about how if you looked at the – because the he said the room had pretty much all natural lighting, which helped them out. But usually when you do it on film, there'd be a little rainbow effect on the edges of the – of the, the window frame and he mm-hmm. focused in on it. He showed it on, on the, this one particular scene and they literally had to digitize in that rainbow effect to make it look like it was a film. Yeah. It was an actual film instead of digital. I mean, those little details, I mean, that's hard work to even just think about that. Oh yeah. That you're, sounds, you're making your project more complicated, you know, but it, it just gives that to make it look authentic and yeah. to make it look like it's film. So I thought that was great. That, that's, once again, the God is in the details. For sure. And uh, one of the other ones, too, that I thought was funny is the whole, um, like, when Daniel Craig basically knew um, Martha was, you know, the suspect and all this stuff because of the spot on her shoe. And they show that, you know, part where he looks at her feet. But it's like, you don't know he's doing that because they're just, like, meeting well, and, not just that. He also said there's something afoot. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's and what I, I was going to say. I didn't put that together. I didn't get that at that. all. Yeah. yeah. But it makes total sense. Like, and he when keeps, you think about yeah, they stuff. like, they show like all the parts where he says it and it's like, wow, that just goes right over your head. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, and it makes him, to, more, yeah, it makes him more of that detective that he's, you know, playing as, you know. Yeah. Well, at first I thought he was annoying when he kept hitting that, that key. Yep, to get yeah. The, the, That's the, the, funny. Yeah. On track, I thought that was annoying because he kept doing it, he kept doing it, but it made sense after you learn more about it. I mean, more about the story, it makes, makes total sense, yeah. And I think that's he he's introduced in a really cool way for that movie, too. Because I even thought about it, you know, especially when we t- were gonna bring this up for the podcast, I was like, you know, you obviously know he's in this movie, they show the cast and all that, but he's oh, he's in the background, you know, by the piano that whole time. and if you see like one of the first scenes where they sit down to talk to the other um, detectives and stuff, he's there in the shot, but he's just in the shadows and it's like, you know, it's him. But I think the first time that scene happened, I had no idea he was even there because they just drowned him out, you know, because they're talking to the other guys. Yeah. It was more of a, of a silhouette of a blur, a dark image instead of him outright. Yeah, absolutely. Until he hits the, um, hits the piano and you're like, Oh shit, he's (laughs) what the hell's going on? (laughs) Like, it's just like a cool, uh, introduction to like one of the main characters. I agree. Yeah. I mean, and and, Osiris was also the, and I kind of knew it when he did it, when he said ransom doesn't know the difference between a, a, a fake knife and a real knife. Oh yeah, that's when, when he said that. In the beginning, <laughs> I I, I kind of knew that had some that was important, and yeah. it turned out it was very important at the end. So. Oh yeah, it was like the climax of the movie right there, just you know, set in the beginning. So, 
It was called foreshadowing. It was good. That's it. Yeah. I, I use that word far too much in my life. So <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. No, yeah, it's it's a really classy movie and uh, it has a lot of character to it. And again, like we talked, I think with these movies that we're talking about too, it goes with one of the episodes we talked about with like remakes and um, originality. These movies have a lot of of their own thing to it, especially like knives out where you think it's going to be like this whole clue movie, but there's so much more to it. Well, I think it was very original. I mean, cause there's, it's not a franchise. It's not based on something else. He took things that were made by others. Like I said before, Sherlock Holmes, Agatha Christie yeah. and made it his own. And I, that's great. That to yeah. me, that's ingenious. That's creativity. And that's how, Hollywood should be. I wish there was more of it. Yeah, and what they said with they're going to be making more of these movies, and I think it's... I, I don't know how many more they're going to try to make, but I think it's just going to be Daniel... What they said is like Daniel Craig will just be in a whole other uh, just you know crime scene and stuff like that. So it's like they're their own they're not going to... They're going to be sequels, but I don't know if they're going to be, really be connected besides having him well, in... That's no different than any other. I mean, if you think of Sherlock Holmes, every movie it was the same Sherlock Holmes, but in a different scenario. Yeah, it's yeah. the same thing. It's the it's the uh, what was that guy's name for the murder murder on the Orient Express? Oh, I uh, forget his name, but it's yeah. the same thing with his character. He did different uh, different scenarios, different movies, but he was the main character. So I think they're following along with that way, and I think that's a good thing. I think yeah. Daniel. Craig's character was the best of them all. I really do. And you could put him in any other situation that you could make up and it would just be another adventure for him, you know? And he's a man of the mind too. He used his mind. Oh yeah. That that's was very appealing to me. And that's like the whole thing, you know, it's like there's besides uh the dad, obviously, there's only one murder throughout the movie besides, you know, um uh obviously, you know, the dad's dead, but it's like it's well he killed himself. That really wasn't murder. Really yeah, was exactly. Murder. <laughs> yeah, and it's like when you saw that um the uh you know the help the house helper or whatever, it's like when they found her, like that part was so weird and it just kinda it got really like dark with all the stuff that was going on and like the whole, you know, trying to follow all the clues and um, you know, I just thought that was an interesting part too. That and showing her being desperate not to get caught, thinking that she was guilty when she really wasn't. Yeah, so she was trying to hide everything, especially with a dog. She throws the ball. Oh the yeah, that's good. That, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was perfect. That really yeah. was. I know, and it's that that shot so funny where you're not even supposed to be paying attention to it, but he brings literally like one of the you know, evidence of this whole of thing. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And she sees it, and that's she, she's realized that's the, my whole point was she's trying to not get caught the whole time because she did something wrong and when the truth is she didn't do anything wrong yeah so that whole irony there was was played out very well yeah it's a really fun movie to dive into and uh i definitely you know recommend it you know if people haven't seen it i agree there's not many movies i would say that to and i i, I agree i would recommend that movie it's a good movie mm-hmm. hopefully the next one will be just as good usually sequels aren't as good we'll yeah see. we'll see yeah so Another movie that you thought was amazing, DJ, is uh, the next one we're talking about, <laughs> Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, right? <laughs> yeah, real amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I know I think, we talked about we're going to – you kind of had a little gripe on this. You didn't really dig it as much as I did. Well, I, I grew up just – I mean, I was alive when it happened. I was real young when all that stuff happened. But I remember watching, like, there was a Helter Skelter movie on that talked about everything that went down. I mean, in the early 70s, the mid-70s, Charles Manson was was still a big thing about what happened. Yeah. And so when it, it turned out that was just a fantasy of what he wished would have happened. I mean, Quentin Tarantino, Quentin Tarantino wished happened. It kind of ruined other aspects of the movie to me, like the Bruce Lee part. It Bruce Lee was a badass martial artist, and just think he would be get his ass kicked by a stuntman. Highly doubt it. And when it, and when the ending makes it that Bruce Lee part even more not credible, because if the ending isn't reality, then that part probably isn't reality either. 
And I don't know, maybe he didn't like Bruce Lee and he was trying to knock him down a peg because Bruce Lee was a filmmaker. In fact, at that time in the, in the movie, I think Bruce Lee was working on the green Hornet. So yeah. he was, he was, he was acting. He was in the, the movie industry. Maybe Quentin Tarantino was lashing at Bruce Lee with that. I don't know what his motive was, why he would do that. Yeah. I, I mean, I can't speak for the guy, but anything, it's just, I, I would say no, because even if it was like a shot at him and he kind of made him look like a goof in that scene, I didn't think it was like, I'm a huge Bruce Lee fan too. And, you know, I think he's just kind of paying homage in like a weird way. And I don't think he mean to, he meant to offend him at all. It's just kind of going with, you know, what the character was with, um, you know, uh, Brad Pitt's character. Well, when the movie came out, I remember seeing Bruce's family being pissed off. Oh, yeah. The, the I think it was, was his betrayed. daughter, you know, yes, really. his daughter was pissed. Yeah. And I kind of agree. They made, first of all, like we talked about earlier, the line he said, these are lethal weapons. I'll have to, if I hurt you, I, I could get, uh, go to jail or whatever. My hands are lethal weapons. I guarantee you Bruce Lee would never say something like that. Yeah. He would, he would just kick your ass, period. If he had to, there's no need to talk like that when you have the talent he has. True. I mean, that's that's why I really think Quentin Tarantino was really trying to say something with that scene. Just like with the Knives Out, it's there for a reason. There's no doubt about it. He could have not put. He could have had that scene totally gone. You know, he put it in there for a reason. But it's now, not. Me, it's it's not a long scene, and it's. It, I think that's when I first saw the trailer of this you know, they show that part real quick where they're just doing like an exchange and I'm like, oh my God, there's going to be this huge Bruce Lee fight and Brett, like however it was going to go on, but it's like not even a minute and it's, that's it. You know? Well, that's all it takes to, uh, Oh, true. Obviously it, um, to go, you know, go against someone's character. I really think he was trying to cut Bruce Lee down. It, Bruce it, Lee would never have gotten his ass kicked in my, in my opinion. Yeah. Bruce Lee would have, Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, it's all right. I, the only thing I would say is that, I, I mean, again, I'm, I can't speak for him, but it's if, you know, he, in like Kill Bill, he pays Amish to Bruce Lee with, um, uh, Uma, Uma Thurman, you know, wearing the Bruce Lee, you know, track outfit and stuff. Yeah, the so, outfit, yes. so it's like, I think he does love him, especially as being a filmmaker too. He loves probably all those movies and him and his work and stuff like that. Cause I mean, who the hell doesn't like Bruce Lee? He's, you know, one of the biggest badasses of all time. So yeah, I don't know. I guess I, it, I'm sure there might be an interview out there where, you know, a bunch of people asked him about it. So. Yeah, I guess more uh, prep should have been done about it. I, it just, it disappointed me, especially cause the ending, cause it went, once the ending came along and showed me, well, that's not reality. Well, then that tied me back into the Bruce Lee part. I said, well, that may not be reality either. I yeah. mean, it was all a fantasy inside of the director's head. That's what yeah. this movie actually turned out to be. And I don't believe Brad Pitt deserved an Academy Award for that either. I mean, I'm not saying he was a bad actor. I loved Bruce. I loved uh, Brad Pitt and 12 Monkeys. That That's was a great actor. movie. Yeah. Yes. that He was a good actor there. I don't think he was nearly as good as an actor in this movie, yet he got the award for this movie so whatever yeah the award things are weird i mean they're all just just stupid you know but i mean i thought leonardo dicaprio and brad pitt just and margot robbie for that i mean they they were amazing in this movie that's what i thought and no i don't like leonardo dicaprio as a person because of his environmental bs but (laughs) i i thought he was actually a good actor in this movie yeah i really did I mean, he showed emotion. He he showed uh, uh, a a has been actor on its way on uh, uh, his decline. Yeah. He just wants to get back into the, the the spotlight. I think he played that part well. Okay, so there was good acting in it, and I'm not saying Brad Pitt's acting was bad. I'm just saying I don't think he deserved an Academy Award. It might be a stretch, you know. He he's just basically being cool throughout this whole movie, and yeah, <laughs> like that's like his whole. I mean, which he plays very well, but. Um, I thought his dog was the coolest. Oh yeah, I mean, <laughs> and the way they set up that whole thing for the payoff of that movie is just so awesome. You know, <laughs> to especially no, I, think like a dog would get that kind of spotlight, and um, 
you know, talking about the ending, even if it's fictional or not, you didn't think it was like awesome that whole scene. I mean, that whole ending is just badass. With the exception <laughs> of the flamethrower, I thought it was. Yeah, and, like you said, um, when I first saw the when the first scene of the dog was introduced and he was dumping the food in the can, he was telling, <laughs> "Did you whine? Did you whine, Doctor Gravy?" Yeah, I thought he was being cool in that, but actually, it played to the end to where he just points his finger and the dog takes off yeah. that was a well-trained dog and that that so that beginning part actually made sense then based on the ending that's why the Bruce Lee doesn't make sense based on the ending though there were parts of it that made sense and parts of it didn't make sense yeah I mean it's a weird movie but it's you know and and the whole thing of it is the with the movie too there's a lot of LA and like Hollywood I mean obviously it's about Hollywood I think not being from there, there's probably a lot of stuff that you know maybe goes over our head. But um, well, I I'll hand it to him. I did like because I grew up in the I was a young kid in the seventies, and that looked exactly like it. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything I saw there, it reminded me of my childhood. I mean, so I'll give it to them on, on what he did for the set. Yeah, he, he did. He, they did a really good job of recreating the seventies, especially Roman Polanski's clothes. Oh my God, that that is even more hideous. He was remember he came out when he uh, took uh, uh, Sharon Tate and that car ride. Uh, yeah, he, he had like the Austin that, Powers the Austin thing. Powers, <laughs> yes, they, that's how, that's even worse than the eighties dress. Yeah, but that's how they dressed in the late sixties, early seventies. I remember that crap. I remember the bell bottoms. I remember that bad fashion, and it, it it was there. It was all there. And so I appreciate even the the hippie stuff. Yeah, the chick that leads him to uh, Charles Manson's farm, whatever you want. Yeah, to call Spawn it. Ranch. The, yeah, they uh, um even her was 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 hippie like. It was exactly what I remember in my childhood, and when I was like seven years old, that's how everybody dressed. Yeah, I mean. It, so to me, that was accurate. He did good on that. I think that's like funny in the movie too, where, I mean, it's obviously with, um, you know, the whole Manson thing, you know, they were all hippies doing these terrible things, but it's like the whole movie is just bashing hippies and stuff like that. And it's just like funny, like hearing it and uh, well, like throughout the movie and stuff. That I agree with. Hippies should be bashed. So, <laughs> well, I, I give it Brad to Pitt bashes a couple hippies. I'll say that. Yes, so. <laughs> he does. Good for him. And actually, that the uh, text guy is was one of the murderers of uh, of the. I think the because the, they they murdered more than one family. So I, yeah. I think it was LeBlanca Le or something like that with another family they murdered. I could be mispronouncing the name, but see, here's my problem with the whole thing of the Charles Manson thing. Manson was so evil by what not only the murders that they committed, but also the way he manipulated those 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 women, those girls. Oh yeah, I believe that Manson should have been if you because California being the liberal state they are did away with the uh, capital punishment, the death penalty. So if you're not going to kill him, you should put him in the deepest darkest dungeon and throw away the key. And literally forget about him because he he's he's evil and shouldn't be thought of. Mm-hmm. But yet this this kind of played into the whole Charles Manson thing. He, he was no longer forgotten about, as if he was important. And I don't think Charles Manson is that important. He's an evil man. Yeah, he's a part of history. I guess that's the only credit you can give him. But it's, it, I think the movie does well. Where, I mean, this is just me reading into it, but. I know there's like an extra scene in one of the whatever director's cuts or something like that, but you know, you only see him at that one part where Brad Pitt's working on that house and you know, yeah, he's just tweaking truck. The yeah. Tweaking, yeah. Uh, truck. <laughs> but it, yeah, that, looked, that looked just like the damn truck when I was a kid too. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, it's, it's funny. Yeah. I didn't even know that was a Twinkie truck till like the second time I saw this movie and I was like, Oh my God, that's yeah. It's just weird. But, uh, yes. It's, you know, it goes to show you that this whole thing that's going around in this movie besides, you know, all the uh, movie stuff is this whole thing with, you know, this guy behind the curtain. And that's what that shot kind of spoke to me, at least, where it was, you know, you just saw this guy and Brad Pitt has no idea who he is or what he is. And he's, 
you know, doing all this dark, crazy stuff with this whole cult that he has that you see obviously more throughout the movie and, you know, till obviously the end and stuff like that too. So it just shows just in that quick scene that that's what kind of person he was. Yeah, well, that and the way he manipulated those uh, people on the ranch, those girls, and and, yeah. and the, the the men too. It wasn't just girls there. Oh yeah, tax it, it and all, all that it, stuff, you know. Yeah, it was all my manipulation from Manson. Yeah, I mean, hell, the guy was a freak. He thought this is how freaky he was. He thought the Beatles in the song "Helter Skelter" was telling him to start a race war. I mean, that's that's just how psychotic his his mind yeah. was. I know. Talk about a beetle fanatic i guess you know it's speaking to me <laughs> yes oh there's some weird things people have said but to go and murder someone to try and start a race war not just someone multiple families uh that's the epitome of evil and, and that's why i'm not a fan of charles manson i really was hoping that manson was it was gonna at least show the truth of how evil he was in the end it just showed uh brad pitt being a hero yeah i liked it i liked it it's just i was disappointed because it wasn't real it was just it was a fantasy yeah it's kind of like i could see with a lot of people that when you get to that part of the movie you know it's the end of the movie but you know it's just like oh you know kind of anything that happened in this last two hours doesn't really matter you know but yeah, uh it's true um, but like i mean i said i'd like the brad pitt the way he fought them the dog i just didn't appreciate the flamethrower yeah. I thought that was a bit over the top. It, it was everything just, else was pretty cool. I think, though, it's just funny because of what happens in that whole scene of just, you know, Brad Pitt just, you know, destroying all these people and the dog and all that. You might as well just go out in flames, right? You know, <laughs> it's not like if, if, if Leonardo DiCaprio started doing Bruce Lee shit, I think that would have been more weird than him just busting out, you know, a flamethrower, you know, <laughs> kind of made more sense for his character. I'm not saying it didn't make sense because he was the weaker one. He couldn't fight. He was an actor. So it makes sense. He was behind the flamethrower and Brad Pitt was the actual fighter. Yeah. I just thought it was a little over the top. That's all. I mean, just. But I, oh, like totally, I was. totally was. Totally was. <laughs> but uh, did you ever like I I thought this movie I heard uh, on another podcast that it, a good way to look at this movie is um it's basically about friendship. And I think if you look at it that way and maybe not all the history and what's going on and stuff it has those you know kind of moments in it that's you know pretty cool to think about especially with you know brad pitt and uh uh, leonardo DiCaprio's character well since you bring that up (laughs) i don't think they were as good as friends because as soon as you start losing money i can't have you anymore i can't you're, you're you're basically fired that's not a friend i mean and it kind of plays he kind of acts like he's uh the once again upper class lower class yeah the capital was the upper class and brad pitt was the lower class i mean you can only drive my car when i'm at work here you gotta you gotta use your own crappy car uh, to me look i guess i understand what you're saying the friendship but that was a pretty crappy friendship if you ask me because it was it was it was lopsided True. Yeah. Brad Pitt was doing a lot of the heavy lifting. That's for sure. Not only saving his, you know, wife and him with, you know, you know, killing these, you know, murderers that came to his house, but you know, he was, he was getting paid. So he's technically not a slave. Yeah. She was acting like he was a slave because he had to do all his bidding for him. All his Mm. little minor work, you know, all, I mean, yes, he was paid. So that doesn't make him a slave, but still, that's not what a friendship is. Yeah. You know, he, would just hang out at his house whenever you know leo would want to and he obviously yeah. lived in uh you know when it was a trailer for, yeah yes yes so well there, there are parts of it where I, I guess you could say he tried being a friend like when dicaprio was talking to kurt russell's character to try and get brad pitt in and hired yeah i couldn't believe that was kurt russell too by the way that that totally surprised me when i saw him in there i know he's been in other quentin tarantino movies but i just didn't didn't expect it yeah no however yeah great. yeah he is he's he's another actor from when i was a kid too but uh just i guess there was one aspect of where he actually was being a friend because he was trying to get him a job okay 
But yeah. I, I, I saw more of it being a lopsided than an even friendship. But that's my point. No, I'd say that. Like all the stuff too, you know, Brad, it's, you know, especially you, you follow Brad Pitt so much and it's just, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio's character just focusing only on himself and Brad Pitt was a little more open with everything. Yeah, that's exactly right. I guess Brad Pitt was the friend and Leonardo, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio, like, what was his name in the movie? Was it uh, Dalton? Is, yes, that's yeah. right. It was Dalton. Yes. So Dalton really wasn't that much of a friend. He was more concerned about himself. It kind of so, goes with the whole actor, you know, mentality. Yeah, that, well, so yeah, no, that was his character. But yeah. th- my, my, I'm just addressing the friendship aspect of it. I don't think it was that great of a friendship, in my opinion. Good point. That's a good point. So you would rather you probably pick Knives Out over this movie? Yeah, I would. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying it's a bad movie. Like I said, he did things making a movie that I couldn't do. It takes a talent just to put that movie out there. Yeah. However, if I'm comparing the two, I would rather go with Knives Out. What about you? I would go with Once Upon a Time, but uh, I mean, they're both great. And I think with this one, too, with kind of what we talked about in the beginning, I love this soundtrack and it had a lot of actual songs I never really knew of that time, too. So I I just like always like when I, I'm just a big Quentin Tarantino fan, I guess, but. Well, the Deep Purple uh, Hush song, I thought that was pretty good. That, that was Oh, that's an awesome song. I never yes, even knew is. that before this movie. So, Really? Yeah. I first encountered it a long time ago. Then it was on <laughs> uh, one of the original... Uh, well, see, I'm, I'm much older than you, so I was exposed to this stuff. But it was also on one of the uh, original Guitar Heroes. So it kept... I've heard it many, many times. There you go. Yeah, so it's cool when a movie can bring light to just, you know, some rare songs that you know, may have been forgotten or something like that. So it's cool. Yeah, it was cool. Awesome. Well, I think we can wrap that up. And uh, before we get into the bonsai drop, do you have your rush quote ready? Of course I do. Um, <laughs> so how do you connect not, these to a rush song? <laughs> you really, there's really no direct connection other than it's history. Because okay. the Quentin Tarantino is history, and Rush has done a couple history songs. One was Bastille Day, and this the one I'm going to quote you is basically about America, and that Hollywood is America. So I'm going to do the first uh, couple stanzas. It's from Beneath, Between, and Behind is the name of the song, and it's on the Fly by Night album, which was put out in 1975. So it's still really close to the time this the setting of this movie, and the, the lyrics go. Ten score years ago, defeat the kingly foe, a wondrous dream came into being. Came the trackless waste, no virgin land kept chased, all shining eyes, but never seen. Beneath the noble bird, between the proudest words, behind the beauty cracks appear. Once with heads held high, they sang out to the sky. Why do their shadows bow in fear? And that that's a that's about America. And uh, it's Neil actually paying homage to america and the rest of the, i i recommend the, the song it's a great song musically but i i recommend go look, go check out the rest of the lyrics too because it's he did really good and that's only that was his first album that neil was on and, that, and i think that's a great song there you go go check that out so let's get into the bonsai drop Are you one of those so-called badasses? Now, with what we have here is from the same YouTube channel. And you you watch both of these, right? I know I sent them to you. Yes, I watched them both. Yeah. Yes. They're, they're, I would just like when people on these like channels really, especially with Knives Out, I would, you know, the Once Upon a Time one's really cool. There's a lot of interesting trivia and facts with that, but like we talked about during the um, talk with Knives Out, there's just so much to find in that movie. This uh, guy, the new rock stars is his channel. And he did both of these for the bonsai drop. Um, the Knives Out one, I think is, you know, one you definitely should go over and just see all the little hidden things that he brings up. And I'm sure there's even more too. So I know to catch all those things, you probably have to watch that movie either really know what you're talking about on all of it. So you're in tuned already or watch it like five to 10 times to pick up on all those things he brings up. Oh yeah. He brings no, up a lot. 
And that's, I appreciate these kind of people that do that because I'm like, man, that would just be so much work. So, well, and it also tells you all the work they put into the movie itself. Yeah. I mean, yes, you're right. It's good work picking all of them up, but including all those little tiny aspects in the movie, that is where the art is. I For mean, sure. So you, yeah. you really have to tip your hat to the director and the writer. Yep. That's, you know, it, yeah. And it gives you just a whole, like you said, appreciation of the movie and uh, the directors and stuff like that and the actors and, you know, everybody. Yeah. The whole movie was, was, was good. Except that one little fly I told you about, I thought it was a really good movie. I, I agree. Yeah. But um, yeah, I like that guy's channel. He does a lot of good movies and uh, he explains them really well and, you know, shows you just stuff for uh, just, uh, he does a bunch. So I'd check out his channel. It's pretty good. Yeah, it was good. Both of them, even the one for one of once upon a time in Hollywood was good too. So I, that's the only two I've seen him do, but they were both good. So <laughs> I, I forgot to bring this up, but <laughs> I'm such a nerd for once upon a time in Hollywood that I actually have a shirt for the, I think I've shown you it. I don't know if we probably talked about this before, but, um, the dog food brand, I actually have that shirt. <laughs> so I just want to put that out there. <laughs> well, what is it that appeals so much to you about it that you're such a nerd for this movie? Uh, I don't know. It just was a fun watch and I liked all the direction that it went into. And I, I, I like, again, it just, it feels like a big music video with all the music in it and just the crazy parts of it. And I don't, it's just, it just like, it felt like a fun ride. That's kind of how I looked at it. Did it make you want to go back to the seventies and live during that time? In a lot of ways. Yes. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> actually it's more like the late sixties, but early seventies. I mean, it was the same, same time frame. Now, I mean, it was still exist then, but it was actually the late sixties when the tape murders happened. Did yeah. it make you want to go back to the late sixties? Made me want to change my career to a stunt man. I'll just say that. <laughs> Well, I guess he made it look good. But did <laughs> you ever see Hooper? There's there's a movie of a stuntman. No, I never Burt seen Reynolds. that. Burt, oh, that's a great movie. Oh. Burt, it's, a, it's an old movie, but it's, it's talking about a, an old, an aging stuntman who's going out, and a new stuntman, a stud, comes in, and he's he's kind of in competition with the new stuntman. I highly recommend that movie. Hooper, yeah. that's a great movie. I have to check that out. That's a good uh, good one. I never heard of. Cool. Well, I think that'll be the show. We'll be wrapping up here and um, you can catch us, you know, all next week and we'll be talking about some other media that we're going to be bringing up as well. And uh, thanks again, DJ, for doing this. And I guess I'll just be signing off here, right? Yep. Take care. Have a good one. Stay Stay healthy, everyone. Bye, everybody.